Hello, it's me, your favorite historian from hell, the academic bimbo. Today we're diving into different methods of birth control and how they were utilized by the ancients before us. Starting off with a classic, we have condoms. We did have a little something before the officially safer latex condoms were released around the 1920s. Both external and internal condoms could have made and made out of many different types of materials, including animal bladders, linen, silk, or plants. One of the first documented use of the condom was by a man named Fallopia in the late 1500s. Fallopia is also the reason why the fallopian tubes are named the way they are. Dr. Fallopia essentially saw how severe and damaging syphilis was to the European popula population, especially considering how it was raging through the continent at the time and spreading like a wildflower. So he probably came up with a little invention made out of animal brain brain to help prevent it. Unfortunately, however, the church was a little bit more than angry to discover this invention being used and spread around, and by the 1700s, the condom was essentially considered by nearly everyone as a tool only to be used by prostitutes and the otherwise degenerate and immoral. For a short period of time before the modern-day latex condoms were released to the general public, rubber condoms were also produced and used. Next up on the list we have crocodile and elephant feces. Along the list of ancient birth control methods, this one is likely the least hygienic. And although we're not sure that these methods were at all effective, it was still something that the ancients, for some reason, decided to try. This method was primarily used by the ancient Egyptians and Mesopotamians, who would mix the crocodile dung along with other ingredients to form a block, which would then be inserted. In ancient India and some other places in the Middle East, people would attempt something similar but with elephant feces. Honey and Acadia is the next thing that there are sources dating back to the nearly, 19, nearly 1850 BC that honey and Acadia were used as a natural birth control method. The spermicide mixture was commonly made of, up of honey, Acadia fruit, Acadia leaves, and a couple of other various ingredients depending on the recipe. This method was primarily popular in ancient Egypt, and while it wasn't fully effective, this mixture would kill at least some of the sperm before it could enter the uterus. Continuing down the list of um, more herbal-based birth control methods, we have Queen Anne's Lace. Queen Anne's Lace is regarded as one of the oldest forms of birth control, besides the obvious pull-out method and it is, incredibly, it is incredibly effective and has been used for thousands of years. It is also sometimes referred to as wild carrot and was referred to as an oral birth control by Hippocrates in his writings more than 2,000 years ago. Unfortunately, Queen Anne's lice is incredibly toxic and it also chemically resembles hemlock. Sticking to the list of herbs, we have Pennyroyal which isn't necessarily a birth control, more of an ancient abortion method, but I thought it was worthy of a mention anyway. Pennyroyal, when consuming large amounts of it, could cause the uterus to con contract, causing an abortion. However, the amount of pennyroyal that someone would have needed to do so would have likely put them in near death or possibly killed them. Pennyroyal can cause serious kidney, liver, and nervous system damage. Other side effects from pennyroyal include stomach pain, nausea, vomiting, burning of the throat, 
fever, confusion, restlessness, seizures, dizziness, vision and hearing problems, high blood pressure, lung failure, and death. Some people have also experienced hallucination while taking pennyroyal. Regardless, I suppose the ancients might have tried this anyway. Something else that they decided to try to prevent um, contraception was lead and mercury. The ancient Egyptians, Assyrians, Greeks, and Chinese would sometimes drink lead or mercury as a form of birth control. As back in the day, it was fairly common for people to consume many dangerous or poisonous substances for a wide variety of reasons. Ancient women would occasionally drink liquid lead, liquid mercury, liquid arsenic, or a combination of all of the above in order to prevent getting pregnant. Of course, these substances were incredibly poisonous and can cause kidney failure, lung failure, as well as brain damage. This method was, however, incredibly effective. Next up, we have Lysol douching. Lysol douching became popular around the 50s when Lysol released an ad claiming that their product could be used for feminine hygiene. Not very smart of them. Not only that, but their pre-1953 recipe contained many dangerous to consume ingredients, including creosol, which was a phenol compound that was reported to have, in certain cases, caused inflammation, burning, and even death. While Lysol was effective in destroying sperm, it was also incredibly dangerous and damaging to a woman's inner tissue. Nicole Pasoka from Mother Jones Magazine wrote, by 1911, doctors had recorded 193 Lysol poisonings and five deaths from uterine ir irrigation. Despite reports to the contrary, Lysol was aggressively marketed to women as safe and gentle. Once Cruzol was replaced with an orthohydroxylphenylene in the formula, Lysol pushed as was pushed as a germicide, good for cleaning toilet bowls and treating wingworm. And Lynn and then Finks, the company that made the disinfectant, continued to market it as a safeguard for women's dainty feminine allure. Not very smart of them, in my opinion, considering the amounts of death and poisoning that their product caused. Next up, one with a lot of history, Silphium. There are many different plants, concoctions, and techniques used for birth control in antiquity, but one of the by far most popular was silphium. Silphium was used in ancient Greek and in ancient Rome as a form of birth control as well as in various recipes as a um, cooking ingredient or spice, and it was also said to have various other medical uses, including treating everything from a sore throat to hernia. It's also theorized by many that one part of the reason why we have we use the heart shape that we that we have today is because of the shape of the silphium seeds. So what exactly was silphium? Well, for starters, scientists can't be entirely sure that it ever existed in the first place, as we have no known samples of the herb and it had unfortunately gone extinct around the year 2000 BC. However, we do have written descriptions, stories, and tales of this miracle herb. For example, ancient Greek botanist Theophoratus, pardon my pronunciation throughout all of this episode, 
describes silphium as having a great deal of thick roots, which was covered in a, quote, black bark. He also wrote that it grew just under 50 centimeters tall on a hollow stalk. Theophratus compared silphium to ferula, a group of plant we refer, we refer to today as a giant funnel. Another thing about silphium was that it was so incredibly important to both the culture of the city it grew in as well as the economy. Serene eventually started putting its image on their coins, and it was also um, worth its weight in both gold and silver. However, one part of its rarity and another reason why it could have gone extinct was because it couldn't be cultivated. Many scientists possess the theory that the reason for this is because silphium was likely to have been a hybrid of a variety of plants due to the specific area it had grown in. Scientists also theorize that the hybrid might have reproduced asexually through spreading its roots to grow new plants, which explains why when ancient Greek farmers tried to grow new plants, they found that the new plants weren't effective as birth control and didn't possess the same taste as the original plant. Of course, as always, unfortunately, history repeats itself and we start to see the extinction and danger, endangerment of other plants, such as um, a kub, a popular plant in Lebanon and Jordan, which is now under threat due to overharvesting, similar to how silphium was. On top of that, we have a wide variety of plants that are continuing to be threatened by climate change and loss of their natural habitats. Thankfully for modern day women, um, at the start of the 20th century, the first intrauterine device was created and introduced to the public. And over the next couple of decades, several different contraception methods were invented, including sponges, cervical caps, and the modern-day condom. The first birth control pills were invented around the 1950s and were first legalized in the U.S. around the 1960s. In conclusion, I think that while things in general, as well as modern medicine, have improved since the past, the current practices towards women's health and women's sexual health are still in many ways dangerous, unsafe, or possibly unhealthy. Women are expected to tolerate larger amounts of pains as well as more invasive procedures without any pain medications. Not to mention the risks that still come with the modern-day birth control pills for women. Take, for example, getting an IUD from which many people have fainted from this procedure because of the pain and you're expected to go through it without any um, pain relieving medication. There's also the example of an endometrial biopsy which has been described as many by many as being literally worse pain than giving birth which you're also not giving any sort of pain relieving medication. And similar to an IUD, people do faint during this procedure as well. And as for the case of the modern-day birth control pill, some of the long-term side effects include blood clots, gallbladder disease, heart attacks, liver cancer, and strokes. And of course, these reaches, these risks also do increase drastically if you're over the age of 35. I firmly believe that overall, we've come a long way, but there's still a lot more we need to do.
Thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode, and I hope to see you next time.